right, welcome back to the goalpost. There's a crisp in the air and all 32 teams played on the weekend. We have made it through week one of NFL football. A lot to unpack, Damien. I'm sure there will be no overreactions from us this entire episode. will be completely reasonable and level-headed throughout the entire time. But it's just nice to see those colors out on the field once again. Another loaded 1 p.m. slate. Yeah, it was a great weekend of football for a lot of teams. Not so great of a weekend of football for a lot of other teams. Obviously, the biggest story, and we'll work backwards through the weekend, has to be Monday night, Jets, Bills, Aaron Rodgers after... I don't know, six to eight months of being the biggest story in the NFL, biggest story in a lot of media heading into this season is carted off the field after rupturing his Achilles on a wet and greasy turf field. Patrick, what are your initial responses to that? What's your initial reaction to that? The whole thing kind of happened in slow motion, Damien. It was you kind of you saw him get tackled, go down. He popped up like kind of nothing happened, and he just stood there. And you, I was like, "What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Is he having like one of those ayahuasca flashbacks? What's going on?" And then he just went to the ground. But I'm like, "Okay, it's not going to be that serious. You know, he's going to miss a play or two. Maybe, maybe the rest of the drive he'll come in." I was thinking like absolute worst case scenario before I saw any replays. I was like, he'll be back for the start of the second half. Maybe get taped up, get get the shot, get them a home shot. You know, much worse than I originally thought. It was so odd in the in the sense that you know that's a play that quarterbacks go through a lot. They plant that foot a lot, and you don't see that injury happen a lot. Which is, I, I think, the most surprising part for this. There was a period where all the Twitter doctors were going absolutely crazy on and assessing this injury, zooming in on some grainy footage. I thought all of that was bullshit to begin with. I thought that let's wait and actually see. Um, but then when, you know, you get that check-in with Salah after the second half or after the first half coming back out to the field, then you hear from him after the game and his completely like dull, dead tone. Uh, I think it was just the absolute worst warning signs for everyone. Yeah, and after that that entrance, man, and just how American like, flag, yeah, rocking that stadium was, you know, new hope for this Jets team. They got one of the best rosters in the NFL, big offseason acquisition, and poof, four plays later, it's gone. Out, it's out for the season, gone. Man. Out for the season. Like, uh, there was there was something to me uh after the game finished, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just going to be one of those like two month Achilles injuries, something like that, where, you know, he misses a, a large portion of the season. But, you know, if the Jets scratch and crawl and they're around 500 and he comes back with, you know, four games left in the season, you know, they can get to the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. And then that news dropped, Damian, torn Achilles out for the year, uh, burning the first year of his two year contract with the Jets. And it's Zach Wilson's team. Dude, it was it feels like we all got robbed of something like even people who aren't very invested in the Jets or even in football in general. Like it just feels like we got robbed of like a major year of storylines. They have five primetime games. That was the first of five primetime games. They're going to have to watch this team all year in, in a weird way. They are this year's Denver Broncos. Right, because like, yes. how many did we probably had five Denver Bronco primetime yes. games last year, and nobody wanted to watch them after week one. No, and now Hopefully that's the Jets. They can get flexed later in the year. Um, but this brings us to a new segment we like to call Wild Hypotheticals. If they had to go back in time, knowing what they know now that he was never going to win one, and you had a chance to start a team, and Dan Marino was on that list in his prime. You would be a fool not to take Dan Marino to start that team. Thank you, Brett. Uh, so we're going to start with some hypotheticals on the rest of the Jets season. We're going to do this before we get to the rest of the games. What do the Jets do at quarterback? Do you ride with your former third overall pick, Zach Wilson, who clearly wasn't the guy last year? Or do you go out to a litany of former names on a free agency list somewhere or a depth chart somewhere? Patrick, what's your initial hypothetical for the rest of the Jets season? So my hypothetical is a little different than my uh, honest like thoughts. So my hypothetical would be Nathan Rourke. I I, I saw him thrown around. 
and it, when I first saw it, I was like, "That is so ridiculous!" Like he, you know, he I didn't had a make, similar uh, opinion, so I'd like uh, to to be proven wrong here. Yeah, so I was like, he, he, you know, he didn't even get the the Jaguars backup job. He's on the practice squad. Didn't get picked up by any team uh, over the waiver period as well. But then I just thought, like, that would be a very good and competitive uh, quarterback room. And I, I know what you say. You know, someone you you might need to bring in a vet. Uh, to help Zach Wilson along, kind of, you know, coach him through this this season that he really wasn't expecting to be in. And I kind of see it the other way, where you want another young guy in that room that's hungry and wants an opportunity to start in this league and can kind of like push him and drive him to become a better quarterback because you're still going to have the veteran presence of Aaron Rodgers on that team. He'll be on the sidelines. He'll be at practices right in the facility. He's not going to be playing. He's not going to be on the field, but that veteran presence isn't going anywhere necessarily. So to have uh, to bring in another young guy like Nathan Rourke, I know he's super unproven, like as unproven as it gets in the NFL. Actually, I just think it'd be a fun hypothetical that, I mean, like the worst case, you cut him in two weeks. But I think the best case is he somehow outperforms Zach Wilson, gets this veteran advice from Aaron Rodgers, and just goes on this historic career. I think that in terms of firing up a fan base who now has pretty much next to nothing to be fired up about, they see that in the news. They see that the Jets are actively trying to do something for the season. I don't think that's a slap in the face to Zach Wilson like a lot of these other moves are. So in terms of like tactically, like a PR move almost, getting somebody who is young and hungry to push Zach Wilson, I actually don't hate that as much as I had originally hated it when I saw it on headlines. Uh, I think people, especially... Canadian football fans are very quick to jump at that. But in a room that needs obviously something, a little bit of a spark, it's not the worst idea. My hypothetical is going to go back to pretty much everyone's favorite quarterback to root for last year, Jacoby Brissett. Like, if you want to get somebody who can actually kind of win games and be a game manager and at kind of the best sense of it, I think Jacoby Brissett's your guy. He was doing that with the Browns last year, and I think it's not nearly as much of a slap in the face because he is still somewhat young in the sense of somebody who's still trying to kind of carve out an NFL career, at least at being that game manager. Uh, I think that you have to let Zach Wilson ride for maybe one or two weeks and give him a test, but then you kind of go into overdrive because you need to kind of save this season. Yeah, the quarterback sneak god, Jacoby Brissett. He seems like a pretty good vibes guy too, right? Like it's not right. like he's going to be, he's not going to try, he's not going to, you know, whine if he doesn't get started immediately. But I mean, he's also, if he gets thrown into that starting position, he knows what he's doing. He's been exactly. there before and he'll help Zach along the way, right? I think that's a good guy. That's not where I thought you were going though, Dean, when you're like, you know, he's a fun guy. Everyone like loves to root for him. I thought you were going to say Jameis Winston. I think that name's been floating around a lot. I think that, you know, Andy Dalton's been floated out a bit. I don't think Carolina is going to part with him because he was, that was kind of the whole reason they brought him in was for Bryce Young. Um, I think that there's been a lot of crazy, like you don't want Colt McCoy. You don't want a case Keenum. Like I just, I don't, that moves the needle absolutely 0% and it does nothing for your season. I don't think. Yeah. I, I think they're going to be fine though. With Zach, like if we're getting out of the defense is incredible. Here, yeah, back to the Jets. Defense is incredible. Yeah, like it's still a good team. Like I know you take Aaron Rodgers out, who was a crucial part of you know their off season and this whole new team, new season, new era of Jets football. Jets. But, I mean, you're just only replacing one guy. I understand it's a very yeah. important position, but he's been with this team. He knows the offense. He should be comfortable in the offense and. He looked better than he did last year, like I and two years ago. Like he looked, I don't know what the word is, just kind of, I guess he's just getting a little smarter, maybe more comfortable to the game speed that he's seeing. And he's just making a little, he's not as careless as he once was. And I think Aaron Rodgers is still going to be there with him all season long. Yeah. Salah kind of gave him the vote of confidence as well, which has to feel really good. And at the end of the day, Damien, 
they took down the Buffalo Bills and are 1-0 and on the season. Right? They took down the Bills, man. That was a huge divisional win for them. I think that Bills fans, that's the absolute worst way to start the season that you probably could have imagined. Josh Allen having a terrible game and you losing to a last-second punt return in overtime. Are you kidding? Like, it sounded like a CFL game. It was a CFL game. It was one of those, you know, it's under, it's under, it's under. Like, the Bills are going to win this 28-10, something, whatever. And then it all just flips on its Chaos. head. And you just... You completely forgot everything that happened in the first half. And it's like this game is only happening in two quarters. Yeah. We got a little bit extra football with the overtime, but it was the second half where this entire game actually kind of took place in a way. Yeah. And I think that the credit to the Jets defense for really proving who they are. I think that there was a lot of hype around them this season, deservedly so after how they played last year. Um, But they were incredible. I think that, you know, they let up a few big digs plays, but who doesn't? Um, but I think that, you know, with a little better decision-making, and I didn't love Buffalo's game offensive game plan. I think there were a lot of really questionable plays. Um, they're going to have to figure it out fast in terms of that. I think that this is a problem that the Bills have had. But this also puts them even more in a spot of being an underdog in the sense that they didn't have those Super Bowl talks heading into this season, which is something that kind of plagued them in the past. Now people are even lower on the Bills, which is a spot that I think they could thrive in. Pretty much as low as they've been in the past four years, three years. And yeah, you said Stefan Diggs definitely stood out, but it was like he was their offense. It felt like, you know, last year they would spread the ball around a bit more, right? Like Gabe Davis was making these big time receptions, would usually get like a touchdown. And Dawson Knox was a huge red zone threat. You, You draft Dalton Kincaid, to kind of be that red zone threat, open up the middle of the passing game. No one else had over 40 yards on this team. Stefan Diggs, I mean, just did it all. And then Josh Allen, just as careless as I've ever seen him ever. He's arm punting. It looked like for fun, three interceptions on the night, two fumbles, lost one. And how do you win when your quarterback does that? I think that if there, there was a lot of great tape on Sunday and throughout the weekend of NFL football, this is tape you want to like burn if you're Josh Allen or sear it into your brain because you can't really make those mistakes anymore. I think that that was a leeway that he got in the past for being a young gun, for being a gunslinger. Now people are expecting him to be, to have Aaron Rodgers accuracy, to have that decision-making in his bag. I think that Bills fans are let down from that. I think he let down a lot of Bills fans to start off the season. The leash is uh, it's starting to get a little shorter. A little starting short. to get a little shorter on Josh. But, I mean, he's still one of the best, like, athletes, I would say. And the quarterback position, I'm sure he'll, he'll figure it out. Of course. And now to a team who had an even more disastrous weekend, probably, than the Bills, I would say. The New York Giants. Sunday night, they get absolutely demolished. 40 love. It was a tennis score. 40 nothing. Just an absolute nightmare for the Giants in prime time. First thing I want to talk about, how about the difference in stadiums for home own, home openers? Like in the sense of being in the same stadium, vibes, like intensity. Obviously, one was on 9-11, which gives you know, that game a lot of juice. But I thought that even from like a stadium ops perspective, the Jets game looked so much sicker. Yeah, and it's, it's really the exact same thing, right? You know, division rivals, uh, Fresh start of the season. Yeah. The Giants made the playoffs last year, beat the Vikings in the wild card round. Like they had a very good season. I mean, you got a first year head coach, Brian Dable, going to his second year. You know, Daniel Jones signed his big ticket. Saquon signed a one year deal. You got Darren Waller. Giants had a lot to be excited about as well. I know the Jets fans are a little, they're probably hungrier. You know what I mean? For yeah. like that success because the Giants, you know, they've won two Super Bowls in the past 20 years. Like, They've had some success recently as opposed to the Jets. But yeah, Damien, that uh, that crowd got even quieter than it was at the beginning very fast. What a ridiculous game for the Giants. I don't know if I've ever hated a game plan more than theirs in terms of what they were doing on offense. We talked at nauseum about the Jets or sorry about the Giants offense on this podcast last year. There were so many games where they were so disappointing in the sense that they would get bailed out by their defense. They would get bailed out by, you know, 
punt returns by special teams. Like, so I think that everybody was waiting for something really dynamic here. They get all the way down on that red zone drive. It could have been a seven, nothing football game early. Like th- this game could have flipped in a completely different direction. I think if that drive goes differently. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I was like, the game started off so well for the Giants. I mean, you drove it down like just before the red zone. First drive of the game seemed like, you know, Daniel Jones is throwing the ball. He's running creative, the ball. Yeah. Look good. Like it was like, I was like, okay, yeah, Giants are going to be a competitive team. This is going to be a really tight game against the Cowboys. And that block field goal, it just, it opened the floodgates. It was almost like the Giants... I don't know. They just went away from everything they did in that first drive and just smashed the panic button when they blocked that field goal for the return. And it's like, you can't do that in the NFL. It's a long game. That was the first drive. Like it happens, right? I mean, a block field goal. I don't know who you fault that on. It, it is what it is. I mean, special teams coach doesn't matter. You have to be able to just bounce back, reset and go out there and run the exact same drive. Not the exact same drive, but like same kind of like same creativity. Type of intensity and flow. Yeah. I agree. I think it was ridiculous in the sense that, you know, this wasn't a game that the Cowboys offense didn't do anything particularly insane. Uh, this was a game that their defense and their special teams really excelled, but that really shouldn't account for your play calling. Like, I, I think that this was so milk toast in the sense that the Giants really needed some juice out of this game and it never came. They had a historically bad offensive line performance. Daniel Jones was just getting absolutely beat up all night. I think it was something like seven sacks. It was ridiculous. I think that the Giants couldn't have had a worse start to the season. And for an offense that already had a lot of questions about it going in, I think there's more questions now. There's there's definitely more questions than answers uh, as to where they're going from here. Uh, you're definitely you were right about the seven sacks, which is just rough for DJ. Uh, I mean, you, you talked about burning the game tape uh, with the Bills. This is a game where it's like bury it yeah. ten feet under, like get rid of that tape, uh, hide it. It should never see the light of day again. And it's tough to like find bright spots for the Giants after a game like that. But, I mean, you're going into week two, a bounce-back spot against the Arizona Cardinals. Couldn't like, be better. Right? Like, it's like, okay, we're 0-1. That game never happened. We're 0-0. Like, th- that should be the mindset. Dable just kind of driving that into his team's uh, minds. Just be like, Cardinals, that's week one. Like, this is week one. Uh, that game happened. Blah, blah, blah. You call it a preseason game, whatever you want to, like, just understand that, like, I don't know. They have to bounce back, and there's no better team to do that against, I would say, than the Arizona Cardinals right now. You want to play a quick guess the line, or do you know it? I have no idea. I have no idea. Let's do Um, it. I'll guess. So the Cardinals are at home. I know that. I would guess Giants minus three and a half. Let's go here. Get through this. This is great podcasting. Giants you, five and a half. Wow. So I guess they are looking for a bounce back spot. Yeah. So I think I was going to say, I think there's going to be some rat lines for that game. Possibly uh, if it sticks around five and a half, I think that's kind of accurate. Um, that's nothing crazy, um, but we'll move on to the four o'clock slate on Sunday, which will start with a Philadelphia Eagles 25, New England Patriots 20. This was a game kind of, I want to say of two halves, but it was more like one quarter versus three quarters. Um, The Patriots had an absolutely horrific start to the game. Darius Slay returns an interception 70 yards for a touchdown 10 minutes into the game. They go up 10-0. And I think that Ezekiel Elliott fumbled like the next offensive drive. It was just absolutely brutal. 16-0 early. Um, But to the Patriots' credit, they crawled back in this game and they made it entertaining. They were honoring Brady. It was it would have been a really much bigger letdown if this game had gone at, you know, as out of hand as it started. So I think for the Patriots, this was kind of this was like a Detroit Lions loss, almost a 25 to 20, like an old Lions loss where it's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a win of a loss. Yeah, moral victories. But I I don't know. It it looked bad early. 17-0 at the end of the first quarter for Philly. I turned it off thinking, you know, this could be a 
35-7 final score. Mac Jones didn't look good. Zeke, you know, fumble, you, you mentioned it. Then the second quarter happened, and then it's like, okay, Mac Jones is throwing TDs. Like I didn't, I missed the two TDs because I was, I turned it off, like I said. But then I saw the halftime score is seventeen fourteen. I'm like, oh my god, New England's in this game, and uh, Philly, Philly tried everything in their power to lose that game. One everything, the, like yeah. it was gross in that fourth quarter because that's when I kind of tuned back into yeah. it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this. Looks like it'll be a tight finish. And oh boy, was it ever a tight finish. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, shout out to him, two touchdowns, but uh, this is that, just Sirianni. He goes back yeah. to Sirianni. It all, all roads lead to Sirianni. You know, they the, the one thing that the Pats did do really well was they held the Eagles to under four yards per carry. I think that that's something that, you know, you can hang your hat on. Matthew Judon's a baller. I think that that's a guy on, on like a team with a not a lot of stars right now, not a lot of star power. He's a legitimate star for them. Um, but yeah, I think that the Eagles did kind of do everything in their power to lose this game. They still come out on top, um, but not the best win for them, uh, especially, you know, you talk Super Bowl hangover, even though they didn't win one. You were in the big game. You played late into the season. Um, it might take them a bit to kind of get the ball rolling a bit. Yeah, rest in peace, DeAndre Swift, uh, fantasy owners. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is the lead back. Uh, I don't think anyone really reported on that in camp. Uh, seems like something that would have been notable. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, Hertz wasn't great. Like 170 pass yards, one yeah. touchdown, 37 rushing yards. Just a lackluster performance, I guess you can say by Philly. But you know, you said it like they got the job done. And all right, I'll give some credit to New England. They look better than they did last year. Aside from those early mistakes, like that, the second quarter onward, if you erase the first quarter, Patriots looked like a, a 500 team. Yeah, their drives looked a lot better too. I think that that was something kind of people were looking for, similar to the Giants, some better offensive schemes. And I think that they kind of got that. Um, but we'll move on to the Raiders 17, Broncos 16. We won't spend a ton of time on this one. Um, but the, you know, Sean Payton era kind of got off to, you know, not the best start um, losing in this spot to the Raiders, which is a team that pretty much nobody talked about this offseason. They have one of the least, you know, bits of buzz around them, but they still managed to pull this one out. Yeah, I would argue the Sean Payton era got off to an electric start, Damien, with the onside <laughs> kick to That's open the point. game out of nowhere. Point. It was on my red zone. It was it was like the first game that came yeah. on on my red zone for the four o'clock slate. And my eyeballs popped out of my sockets. I was I couldn't believe that. And I love electric, that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I love that stuff. Um, But here's one of my early overreactions from this game. I'm high on Vegas. Really? I'm, I'm high on Vegas. I uh, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't bad. He, he is the exact same as Derek Carr. That's also something I kind of took from this game. He's the exact same. And like, he, I mean, the injuries are a concern, I guess, but Derek Carr had injury problems as well. But just the amount of weapons that Vegas has, and if Jimmy can just be like Brock Purdy and San Fran, just, just feed these guys the ball. Don't be, don't be a hero. Get them the ball. I can see Vegas sneaking into a wild card spot. This might be cold takes exposed, but this is my early overreaction on the season. I I enjoy the Raiders. Interesting. You know, Jacob White, colleague of ours, said to me last night, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a winner. That was what he said. He saw, he saw the highlights. He said, Jimmy Garoppolo knows how to win games. And I, I stopped for a second. I said, fuck, that's actually kind of a good take. I think that, you know, it's in terms of, yeah, switching out quarterbacks, that was kind of all Derek Carr was doing. Like, he was just trying to kind of be consistent enough to win them games. And there's nobody who does that kind of bigger and better than Jimmy Garoppolo. There will be absolutely no expectations for this team to make the playoffs. If they get anywhere kind of near that, I think that's a huge win of a season for them and is giving their fans a lot more than what they were expecting this year. Um, but, yeah, I think that... Looking forward, that's an interesting take to kind of sit on. I'm, I'll have my eye on the Raiders now every week. Well, it, I may. That could be a very cold take because <laughs> they're going into week two as nine point dogs in Buffalo. So, I mean, I don't know. That'll be a really like yeah. test for my yeah. take here. It, yeah. Really early on the season. I mean, absolutely. I'm taking Raiders plus nine. You heard it here first, yeah, just for, now. just for my own. Uh, 
confidence but yeah. i don't know that's uh yeah that's interesting we talked about the arizona game it'll be interesting if that's a get right game for buffalo that is a game that if you're a bills fan you're really hoping is a get right game yeah it feels like vegas is setting these lines for these overreactions like i'm having yes. right you know what i mean it's like yeah oh giants look bad cardinals didn't look awful you right. know, people, I bet yeah. you a lot of money will come in on the Cardinals plus five and a half at Big home. They're, they're the a Giants. plus 200 money line, too. I think they'll get a yeah. lot of hook, line, and sinker with that. Um, but we'll move on to a take for, of mine from the NFC predictions that seem to pan out pretty well early. Green Bay Packers 38, Chicago Bears 20. The Packers looked kind of electric. I don't know. Like, I think Luke Mus- Musgrave was a guy that, like, fantasy. You know, hounds were really all over in the offseason, but he got three passes for 50 yards like Jordan Love spread the ball out. He looked efficient in the offense. The Bears, however, did not. They looked like a team that had nothing together. Free my boy, Justin Fields, man. They're trying to make him a pocket passer. I don't know what they're doing. It was the most conservative game plan I think I've ever seen. And I know three passes over 10 plus air, air yards. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, right? And they weren't even really he didn't run that much. It, it no. felt like everything they didn't move the pocket. Like that was a lot of late in the season last year, the Bears found a lot of success and just kind of like snap and then everything just kind of moves to the right and fields would flow with them and the pocket would just move to the right and then it feels like it was almost like an RPO out of his right. own for himself, right? right? And it's like you see it, you see it, you throw or not, you just run. There is none of that. Uh, there is not a lot of design runs for fields either. And I mean, they look bad. They yeah. looked really bad. I This might be an overreaction, but like they need to open it up for fields because when it's all, you know, it, everything breaks down, he has his legs and his legs are better than most legs in the league. And when you're like just forcing him to stay in the pocket and you'll make these check downs and you bring in this new weapon, DJ Moore, uh, I believe he had two receptions. I'll double check this. He had two receptions, 25 yards. And it's like, okay, what are we paying him for? What did you bring him in for? So yeah, but no, you were right on the Packers. Jordan Love looked very comfortable. I would say Mm -hmm. that's like the word to, to say, just look comfortable and he was making plays. Yeah, I agree. I think that that was a game that a lot of people were waiting to see how he kind of responded. When they said it on the uh, on the stream, they were like, "This, you know, Jordan Love has one start," and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Right? Like he did only start that last game against um, Philly too, which yeah. is not an easy team to play against. Yeah. So I think that in terms of you know outlook for Packers fans, they got to be feeling really optimistic. Time will tell. They're a team that I'm, again, going to be watching really closely week to week to kind of see how that storyline and how that plot unfolds. Um, But we'll now go to the most fun and the best game of the week. Miami Dolphins 36, Los Angeles Crybaby Chargers 34. Yes, I'm putting it out there. I'm sick of the Chargers. I'm sick of watching them. I love watching Miami dice them up. This game was electric. Well put. Well put. This game is definitely electric. Uh, If you're a cable guy, you wouldn't be able to watch this game, though. So uh, it was not on TV. Uh, For cable providers, you would need NFL Sunday ticket. You need uh, a fire stick, hacked, whatever. Like You can watch this game on live TV, which is insane to me because I don't see... You can make the argument on paper too, like before this game even happened, that this was the best game of week one. And and Canadian providers are usually, you know, they love the Dolphins usually. Like they're usually on, especially in four o'clock slots. Like you'll usually see them on a TSN. I was very shocked, but my Sunday ticket paid its entire season off immediately. Yeah, that was huge. But it had the highest total going into the week. And so you kind of had that feeling like this is the game that has that, you know, home run potential, I guess you could say. And it, it definitely came through 36, 34, uh, 70 points in the game. Quick maths, not bad. And you just go back again. And I question everything about the Chargers. Like, I, so I might be talking a little bit more about the Chargers. I took more no, of no, this game from it. the Chargers than the Dolphins because the go Dolphins just went out there and performed. And, and did what they game. do. I agree. Yeah, they performed. Tua looked great, by the way. We can get into that in a bit. But 
Staley is just a grotesque coach, if you ask me. He doesn't coach. He has no command or control of this team. Feels like the players are running it and are able to do whatever they want. He tried, he was running Eckler late too when you were running Joshua Kelly all game. And now it looks like Eckler's questionable for week two. I I don't know. They just find ways to lose these games. That penalty at the end of the second half to just give them three points and you lose by two. It's just insane. And I like we talk about it. He was in the hot seat. I would say he has like two more mistakes like that before he's gone. Dude, talk about a hot seat. I think you're completely right in your assessment. I think Staley made absolutely zero adjustments throughout this game. I think that he didn't give them a fighting chance to really stay in a shootout with the Dolphins. Like, you don't want to get into a pissing contest with this team. It's the last team in the league that you want to do that on. On the first offensive snap of the game, Khalil Mack found himself matched up with Tyreek Hill in the flats. Tell me how that happens. He's who, you looking, got, who you got in that matchup? He's looking around like he's so perplexed about how he got into that spot. He then scrambles back towards the pocket. Tyreek goes around, easiest catch of his life. Like when you start the game off in that sense with a mistake like that, you just clearly show that you're not locked in from a coaching perspective. That's not on Khalil Mack. It's on him for recognizing it, if anything. It, he's the one who recognized that they were out of place. And I think that from yeah a scheme perspective, this is such a talented roster on the Chargers. It really is. And I think that they are just absolutely being sold short by their coaching staff. Um, I, yeah, that, that's all I got. Yeah, I, I do think that is the reason why people still give Herbert the benefit of the doubt on things. Because right. I think he's got not the best coach. It feels like he's out there kind of having to do almost everything. Eckler helps too. Yeah, and he had a great game. Great. Yeah, game. but I mean, Herbert did not come through no. uh, when he was needed the most. And it was, was it a four? It was a four and out, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, It was a four and out that ended with an absolutely sublime sack, um, a pancake sack with Jalen Phillips in it. Jalen Phillips, after getting that absolutely terrible roughing the passer in prime time on the Chargers last year, Gets a, a bit of revenge, finishes off the game, um, and and a couple really standout performances from the Dolphins. Obviously, Tua kind of shutting the haters up early in week one. There was a lot of shit talk about him surrounding him going in. Um, some of it rightly so, just in terms of injury, but I think that Tua showed a lot in this game in terms of growth more than anything. I, there's been more Tua tape on Twitter in the past two days. I've crunched more film of Tua throwing balls in the past two days on Twitter than I think I ever have. He goes 28 for 45, 466, three touchdowns and an interception. There were just plays where he didn't let the ball go like he would in previous seasons and just trust whoever was downfield. He was smarter in his decision-making, and the Dolphins' offensive scheme was gorgeous. Yeah, AFC player, the offensive player of the week, Tua. I mean, take your pick. You could have taken Tyreek Hill as yep. well. I mean, 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns, fantasy weapon. And yeah, I mean, we'll see. Miami look good. I have them mm -hmm. as a top five, maybe top three team in the league off my week one overreactions kind of thing. Yeah. My one concern for this team, Damian, and I think you might agree they do have to just run the ball a bit, a, a bit more just to like, cause now, you know, you can kind of load up a Tua, you know, he's going to throw it three out of four times and most of it looked okay, right? Like he got the touchdown. He, he only got 10 rushes. That is my only concern for Miami going forward. But I mean, if they do this every week, they'll be okay. Yeah. I think that I think that they're the running the ball thing is twofold. I think that on offense, I agree they need to run the ball more. I was talking about Jonathan Taylor pregame. I think that Jonathan Taylor makes this team an absolute Super Bowl contender. Like they already kind of are in that conversation pseudo beneath the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals kind of. I think a Jonathan Taylor on this team is absolutely terrifying. If you have to respect the run, like you have to with Jonathan Taylor, you're just going to get diced over the air. I think it, it makes it impossible 
offense to stop. And on the defensive side of the ball, that was the one big negative from this game from the Dolphins. They could not stop the run. I, you know, Austin Eckler was getting almost 10 yards a carry. Like it was ridiculous how efficient he was against their D line. Yeah. Um, that can be fixed. I mean, yeah. run defense is something that, you know, you kind of get along as you go. It, yeah. it seems like your pass rush is there, which is huge. I'm going to throw a name out there. You know, you said Jonathan Taylor would make the Dolphins Super Bowl contenders. What about, uh, how do you feel about Kareem Hunt, who's uh, currently a free agent? It's really interesting. I think Kareem Hunt still has a lot of gas in the in the tank. And I think that he is a guy who would fit into this scheme actually pretty well. He, he like you would run be, him, Mostert, yeah. kind of, yeah. I'm still interested to see. We didn't get a lot of Devin uh, Achene touches, the first rounder. I'm still very interested to kind of see. I think he could kind of, he's really fast. And after watching Jameer Gibbs on that opening night, just really fast players fire me up, especially in the Dolphins offense. Um, but yeah, some the run game, something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but we'll shift now to the Rams 30, Seahawks 13. This is the part of the show where we're going to kind of go through some rapid fire takes on the games to make sure that we get through all of them. Um, the spotlight in this one, uh, people on Twitter were saying this was a generational Matt Stafford game. Is that true? This was a Puka Nasua legacy game, actually, in my, in my opinion. Uh, but over, I mean, he had six receptions. Oh, no, 10 receptions, 119 yards. The number one waiver wire fantasy guy, probably after week one. If you're in a betting league, like you have to bet on your your free agents, I bet there were some horrific overpays. In my league, it was pretty pretty okay for him. It was like it was like just a competitive um, uh, bidding war, but it wasn't like the the difference between the first and second one was less than ten dollars. So not not crazy. My initial reactions of this game. Rams are better than I thought. Seattle might be coming back to life. Those I, are my yeah. two instant reactions. Well, we were so, like, and you know, the majority of people were so opposite on these two teams coming into the season. The Rams, we were talking about Caleb Williams in our NFL preview. The Seahawks, we were talking about, you know, playoff runs. I think that you're right in the sense that this is a real letdown if you're the Seahawks and you're supposed to be this real force in the NFC coming in and, you know, shaking shit up. I think that Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense just couldn't really get much going other than that pass to DK Metcalf. Like you got your DK Metcalf touchdown. What else is new about this offense? What else want, makes me want to buy in? Tyler Lockett, two receptions, 10 yards. Jackson Smith and Jigba, your first round pick, three receptions, 13 yards. DK had a decent game. Geno Smith only completed uh, 16 passes in the entire game, 112 yards. Uh, and the Seahawks didn't put up any points in the second half. That's about as bad of performance as uh, a playoff team. They're a playoff team last year. Could have. That's like, disgusting. I, I, yeah, yeah it's, it was really bad in the second half. I yeah, and I don't know if LA just you know kind of took advantage of a really bad Seahawks team in Week One, and I'm kind of overreacting to them a bit. But I think if Stafford's healthy, this team can win eight games. Yeah, I think that seven, seven, he's eight shown games. that he's talented enough still, obviously, to make games happen like that. And he clearly with this cast, he's going to kind of have to do it himself. Cam Akers didn't have a great game either. No, um, it looks like it's uh, Kyron Williams backfield. Yeah, <laughs> which Cam hate Cam Akers hate is for another day, but we've been there before. We'll move on to the Saints 16 Titans 15. This one was a really interesting one. Uh, my biggest takeaways from it were that really cool video that the Saints dropped yesterday of Derek Carr begging to throw a go route um, and then eventually getting his way and having a huge conversion. He was pretty electric in this game. Like he kind of, I think, is really embracing what the Saints fan base can kind of give you. It, it, it It's a fun atmosphere to play in. And I think they just want people who are like loyal to them after going through all the shit with Michael Thomas. Like they just want somebody who's there for for Saints football, and it he looks like you know he was Derek Carr of old, like he was making plays. Yeah, I think he he has a realistic sense of the opportunity that he's gotten in New yeah. Orleans. I think they they are the favorites to win the win the division. I mean, back over in Vegas, you got to go through Kansas City, right? They've won the division I think seven time seven straight years. 
So yeah, I think he's got a rejuvenated sense of like fun and like playing football is fun for him again. She'd freaking run. And my takeaway from this one, man, they're the exact same team. These two teams are the exact same team. Yeah. Uh, Aside from Jacksonville, I think the AFC South and the NFC South are all the exact same teams. You're all, not wrong. All seven of them. That's a that's a take I actually kind of love. I think yeah. that if you went like into the nitty gritty of that take, even you'd come up with the same answer. Yeah, I think Jacksonville is good. Yeah, and the seven other teams Falcons, are just like, yeah. what are they? Yeah. It's just they win games disgustingly, yeah. and they lose games like. I don't know. It's they're all the same teams. They're not fun games to watch. Bet unders when they play. Yeah, I don't know. But big win for the Saints. You, you kind of had to win this one if you want to like exactly prove big, that you're legit. Big win for the Saints. They got kind of what they needed out of this game. It was close. It was down to the wire and they come out with a big win. That's all you can c- kind of really ask for in week one. Um, but we'll go to Commanders 20 Cardinals 16. Um Commanders defensive line, like they usually are, were unreal. 14 total pressures. Um, Sam Howell had flashes of looking really good um, and being able to kind of scramble out of the pocket and make decisions. This wasn't the most exciting game, but I think the commanders are going to kind of be a, a work in process. Um, but I think they'll still kind of edge out wins here. Yeah, it feels like a team that's kind of going to quietly get better week to week, right? I mean, Sam Howell, that was his, was it his first start? NFL? Yeah. Maybe not. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It was a very like first NFL start. Like that. It was very like uh evident that, you know, he kind of he was adjusting to the speed as the game went on. It was it was okay. He he squeaked out a win, had a nice rushing touchdown, almost destroyed a photographer with the celebration, just ripping it into the wall. Like he was everywhere. He almost got decapitated a few times. The Cardinals D was out for blood. Like they were playing like a high school Texas football game. So, yeah, that was my takeaway. I was like, you know, the commander should win this game, and and they did. It wasn't pretty. They didn't cover the spread, but they won the game. That's all that matters. But the Cardinals look like, you know, I don't know. It's not going to be the easiest victory in the world. I don't know how many games they will actually win, but it seems like their defense is kind of stingy enough to keep them in games, but Josh Dobbs is going to do nothing to win you a game. Yeah, absolutely nothing. I agree. He doesn't move the needle for me at all. Uh, and I think that that offense is about as low vibes as you can get. Um, talking about a high vibes offense, Jacksonville Jaguars, 31 Colts, 21 Calvin Ridley steps up after the year off right as the lead receiver and absolutely has a monster game. He looked so much faster than everyone else on the field. And the Jaguars got this one out. It didn't look pretty kind of at all times. Like it, this was kind of a weird game. They ended up pulling it out a bit more late. Uh, I think they're, this is just going to kind of be their season. Like they're just going to end up winning these games. They might not be the prettiest, but they'll win. Yeah, it's always tough uh, playing a division opponent week one. You know, yeah. it's not going to be the uh, walk in the park. And it, and it wasn't for Jacksonville, but I mean, good teams find ways to win. And they ended up winning by two scores. You said it. They pulled away late. Um, yeah, Kelvin Ridley, fresh legs, man. Fresh legs. He just looks so happy to be back out there. Lawrence slinging it. It's yep. uh, This is going to be, Jacksonville is going to be a competitive team. Very competitive team. Like, I'm going to throw him up there with... It, you know, the Miamis, the Kansas cities, the Cincinnati's who I guess we'll get to in a bit. Uh, just like those perennial teams in the AFC. Yeah. I think Jacksonville is, is their names like right on like that border. And it's like, if they do like win two more of these games and, you know, Ridley has more performances like this and Etienne's getting it done on the ground as well. It's just like well-oiled machine over in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, sweet throw, sickos. This is a great game to go back over. He had one in like the tightest window of all time to Ridley downfield. That was just gorgeous. Um, But we'll go now to an upset. Buccaneers 20, Vikings 17. This was disappointing if you're a Vikings fan. Jordan Addison had a great debut. I'm sure a lot of fantasy owners were really fired up. Um, But Minnesota just absolutely just a dud. Like this is a dud of a loss. You lose to a Baker Mayfield Bucks, twenty to seventeen. Like it, it's just this is absolutely disappointing. A lot of disappointing weekends for NFC teams. Yeah. So if I told you, uh, 
Minnesota's playing Tampa Bay, and Kirk Cousins was 33 of 34 for 344 yards, two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had 150 yards. Addison, 61 yards in touchdown. You'd think they won the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. That It's just insane, insane. How, how Minnesota finds ways to lose these games when, I don't know, it seems like everything's going fine, and then they kind of get to that red zone area or, like, you know, that field goal range area, and, you know, Kirk takes a sack or, you know, something happens, the play goes backwards, and then they just don't get points. But it felt like Minnesota had the ball the entire game. I didn't watch a ton of it, but like I was every time I in. every time I tuned back in, they had the ball. I agree. Yeah, and they just weren't scoring. I couldn't believe it. Uh, they ruined my little can't lose favorites money line parlay, which me which, too. Yeah, so I'm Minnesota's sure they did for a lot of people. They're kind of in my shit list the, this yeah. year. I'm gonna. I'm stay sure away we're from gonna Minnesota. talk about them like at nauseum over the, over the season. So we won't give them a ton of time right now. We'll now move to a game that I'm sure you'll want to talk about even less. 49ers 30, Steelers 7. I think that this one was a, a victim of the 1 p.m. spotlight. I think in terms of games, bad games over the weekend, this one actually kind of fell. I think down the scale, like if you're a Giants or like the Bills loss, like even somehow um, the Vikings loss, like if you're going to get wiped, you're going to get wiped by somebody who has been slated by people to win the Super Bowl. I think that it could be worse for the Steelers, but it was not pretty. Oh, it was it was ugly. It was really bad. It was as even worse, like in my worst dreams, I didn't see this coming. I, I didn't see I didn't think I didn't know if Pittsburgh was going to win the game. I wasn't like that kind of crazy i was like i think we're in for a competitive game like i think it's gonna be tight the spread two points two and a half boy did they just look brutal uh the offense is is disgusting i'm i'm so so in on the fire matt canada train he, he still has a job like i was sitting there on sunday just being like dude i i feel like i'm i'm out of date telling people about matt canada because he shouldn't still have a job no, and and you know preseason. I, I'm not a huge preseason watcher game, but I, I'd I'd go back and you know watch the highlights, and I was like, oh my god, this is a different offense. Like they're just, I know you know Kenny can make throws against yeah twos and threes on teams. That's fine. I'm just like the actual formations that they were running were different, and I was like, oh my god, thank you. This is all I've been asking for. Same thing. Najee in the flat, one yard, two yards. Run the ball. Two yards, third, third and six, obvious passing down and incomplete three and out three and outs. It was, that was the entire first half, just three and outs. Uh, it was very frustrating, but uh, similar to the other two blowout games, just bury this tape 16 and one. We're going into week one against Cleveland. Like that is the game that matters. Yeah, this is okay. You can lose to San Francisco. Yeah, that, that is fine. We had that one chalked in as a loss going yeah. into the year. So. I agree. Okay, but I agree. There's nothing, you know, seismic about the season that shifts with that loss, um, which is a better position to be in. TJ Watt, I think, got absolutely snubbed for AFC Defensive Player of the Week. He finished with three sacks, two forced fumbles, one tackle for loss, and a fumble recovery. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know I what more you be- can do. I think it's just because they got smoked. I agree. And now everyone's in on the Jets hype. And Yes, I agree. Yeah, it is um, what it is. But to another absolutely abysmal game in the AFC North for the Bengals. They lose 24-3 to to the Browns. Both passing offenses looked absolutely disgusting in this game. Burrow goes 14 for 31 for 82 yards, fresh off his huge deal. And Deshaun Watson goes 16 for 29 for 154 in a touchdown. Had a pretty bad interception, uh, but I think it was tipped. I don't know. This game was disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, I, I could be deflecting, but this performance out of Cincinnati was worse than the Steelers. Oh, well, you got way uh, more expectations for it, right? Yeah, you've way more. Uh, been in the AFC Championship the past two years. Uh, you know, Burrow just signed his big ticket, highest paid player in the NFL. Couldn't throw for over 100 yards. You lost too. It's not like you know you could get away with it with a big Joe Mixon game on the ground or no. the defense covers your ass. None of that happened for Cincy. They look horrible. This could be good for the Steelers, though, right? The Steelers coming off a yeah. loss. Cleveland can't get higher than that game. They go in, they play each other Monday night next week. Cincinnati um, drops a huge divisional game, like a huge uh, divisional game early. 
Yeah, and they go and play Baltimore next week. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a grind. Week one and two, it's huge. Like, that's a must win for Cincinnati in week two, which it sounds insane to say, but I think it is. But yeah, yeah. ugly performance from Cincy. Ugly. We'll now go to super, super rapid fire. Ravens 25, Texans 9, Texans suck. Ravens looked pretty good. J.K. Dobbins, very unfortunate. Feel bad for him. C.J. Stroud, okay first start. Yeah, they're still pretty much where we thought they were. Falcons 24, Panthers 10. New Falcons? Falcons defense look good. They don't throw the ball. Don't start any Falcons wide receivers or Kyle Pitts in fantasy. It will not be fun. Bryce Young, don't know what to make of you. Similar to C.J. Stroud, okay. Yeah. Lions 21, Chiefs 20, all the way back on Thursday night. This was the night our NFL preview dropped, so we didn't get to talk about it. Pretty crazy game, but I love I love the Lions squeezing this one out. Ballsy, ballsy fourth down fake punt call. I think that, you know, if you want to win this game, that's how you win it. And for people questioning Dan Campbell's coaching style, he kind of shut them up in this one. Yeah, but don't forget there's an asterisk on the on this game, Damien. Don't don't forget, right? Thanks, like it's Rico. at the end of the season, there's gonna be an asterisk. Week one. Yeah. No Travis. I, I hate that. I hate that out of Tariko. Um, but yeah, lines look good. Lines are gonna be very competitive in the NFC, and I'm not worried about Kansas City either. I think the Detroit's a good team. Yeah, I think that Mahomes will get back into his flow. Kelsey will come back pretty hungry. I think that they'll roll the next three weeks. Chris Jones is back next week, signed his one-year deal. And yeah, he missed Kelsey. It was very evident. Didn't get any help from his receivers. They'll figure it out. I tried to be a fantasy big brain. I started Noah Gray at my tight end. Um, One league I had Kelsey, so I did that. Another league I had Kittle, who was still questionable and did that. So I got burned. Um, You know, it's week one for us, too. In terms of betting, in terms of fantasy, I got to really reevaluate a lot of stuff. I got to lock in a bit more. I was one of 10, I believe. Yeah. The the betting was horrific. I think that, I think it was a bad, it was a bit of a bad weekend, I think, for everybody, especially fantasy. Like, there were a lot of zeros on the board. Fantasy was my only bright spot of the weekend. Uh, thank God I had something to be happy about, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's back though. And like, you know what I mean? It's just sensory yep. overload on Sundays. You're just your eyes are darting everywhere across these screens from your phone to your laptops, to your TV, like you go, what, what's going on? What happened? What happened? But it's it's the best. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited. And hopefully the Steelers can can bounce back. Yeah, but I think that does it for us today at the goalpost. Hope you enjoyed week one of NFL football. Week two should be another banger, so get out there, watch it, keep supporting the podcast. We always appreciate it. Until next week, Patrick. See you later, Damien. See ya. Walking down the road.